0: Hello, Sober Town, and welcome to the Sober Town podcast. This is Polly with my sober sister, Karina, climbing on the sober train and riding into the absolutely wonderful world of sobriety. We are here doing our two for one. We have our cups of tea. We are sat aboard the train and we have a topic for today of the fear of never drinking again, which I think... UK is slowly emerging from its lockdown. Summer is coming, which is barbecue and outdoor season. Some people are getting concerned. And we decided we would discuss the fear of never drinking again. It wasn't truly related to the lockdown, easing, et cetera. It was just a subject we thought was really, really important in the recovery journey. So, Karina, go ahead and say hi. hi. <laughs> I, mon- I monopolised that one, didn't I? <laughs>
1: hi. hi, everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just felt that it was a really important topic because it's something we hear, and it was something for me um, very much at the beginning was that despair of never drinking again. How could I possibly go through life of never drinking again? And it's something that we hear everybody saying time and time and time again. So I just thought it would be a really good... Um, thing for us to cover because now we are so many months on i'm eight months you're 10 months it's actually reversed to that fear of um ever drinking again (laughs) yeah take the
0: n off it now because we have a fear of ever drinking again because um it's such hard work getting sober when you've been in the pits of it getting sober is hard work Um, but I was always told getting sober is the easy part.
1: Staying it, sober. Stay being sober.
0: That's, you know, working on your sobriety. They always say um, you work on your sobriety all the time, every day. But I can't honestly say I mentally work on my sobriety every day because now it's not on my mind all the time.
1: No, it gets a lot easier, doesn't it? its mm-hmm. um, I mean, one of the th- those things, uh, you know, it was birthday so you know when can I never drink again how can I ever go through a birthday without ever drinking again how can I get through Christmas how can I get through Mother's Day you know how can I go to a party or a barbecue and I had um, my first sober birthday as you know back in February mm-hmm. and for me it was just wonderful because just talking about that that mental conversation previous birthdays would have been you know at nine o'clock in the morning me planning when I could legally get away with my first alcoholic drink of the day because it was my birthday yeah and this year it was just so wonderful not to have that dialogue going round and round in my brain because it just wasn't going to happen I think
0: it's such a you take the pressure off yourself don't you because I mean we do when when we get really towards the part of the dependency where you're watching your clock watch it and you think, is it too early to have a drink? Mm. Have I got to go back out today? No, I can have a drink now. Um, I can't tell you how many accidents I had cooking when I'd been drinking. Yeah. Burning myself, etc. cetera. Um, when I'd had a few drinks and I think for me the absolute release of pressure of not having to think about it giving my brain a rest from it has been huge
1: yeah because I, I think you just because i was a smoker as well as you know and, and i always used to think that um that one of the things i hated about smoking was that actually i was so dependent and my life revolved around it when i could have my next cigarette you know when can i have a break when you know even pulling over for breaks on car journeys you could have a bag. But when I think back on it now, my life revolved around alcohol just as much as you've just described. You just mm-hmm. always sort of planning ahead of what time can, oh, I can get off half an hour early today. Good. I can have a drink half an hour earlier, you know. Uh, yep. So, yeah. Yes.
0: Now I, I find and people say you work on your sobriety one day at a time. I think you work on life one day at a time because yeah, there are certain things that are going to happen on certain days, but there are days where you get thrown a curve Thrown, That's good English, isn't it? <laughs> days you get thrown a curved ball and you've got to wing it. And I don't know, but I love winging it sober. I yeah. absolutely do love winging it and I can't get over how happy. I am.
1: <laughs> I just, yeah. I For me, that's kind of crazy because I was always someone that had to know where I was going in life, what was happening, you know, and and I had to have everything planned. And when it wasn't planned or I didn't know, I was literally like a fish out of water and I panic and get anxious and I would drink to cope sometimes. Um, Now I'm absolutely loving, not knowing, (laughs) not having a plan. Um you know as you know my life has completely completely changed over the last eighteen months um you know and um and it's got a lot better for the last eight months of of not not drinking um but i love I love the adventure of each day of where's it gonna take me now yeah, um, um
0: I agree with you on that one because um yeah my a lot of my stress levels revolved around getting to appointments, keeping hubby you know, medicated, et cetera, et cetera, like that. And it was always, oh gosh, am I sober enough to get in the car? Mm. But I had no choice. I had to get in the car, you know, to yeah. take him here, there and everywhere. Now I can get up. It doesn't matter what time, you know, and yep, come on, let's get on with it. We're out the door. We're, out, <laughs> we're in the car. Um, there is a hardship at the start of becoming sober. Um, and I will admit, after doing a lot of the reading this time compared to the other couple of times I gave up, I would honestly say that my first couple of times I was probably a dry drunk. Well, mm. I know the second time I was definitely a dry drunk. And this time I've got the joy of giving up the romanticism around alcohol. There were good times, but I don't class those as romanticizing alcohol. Um, To me, romanticizing the alcohol is like, yeah, have a glass of wine, relieve the stress. But in actual fact, it doesn't relieve anything. But there were good times, you know, um, but the good times weren't so good further along the journey into the dependency the good times got further and further apart yeah because there were like I say there were good times when you could have a good drink and have a good laugh and enjoy company but then the more dependent I got the more drinking at home by myself there were no good times there no. <laughs> that's when it completely lost it
1: yeah and for me um I have more good times now, far more good times now that I'm Sabre than I ever had when I was drinking because I can actually feel now and I can feel true, true happiness and true joy and fully, yeah, just fully be there, which before, yeah. before I couldn't. Um, and I just came across actually because I, I was thinking about what we're going to talk about today. And I remembered that um, in November, I would August, September, I was three months Sabre. Um, so mm-hmm. at that time, still that fear. Still that fear of like oh what about Christmas what about my birthday <laughs> you know how it was still you know I was I was enjoying sobriety but there was still that fear of of never um being able to drink again and one of the things that that helps me is something came up on my Facebook feed um and I I did actually post it on on the app at the time and it was it was actually the nineteenth of November 9, two thousand nineteen I'd um, written this so a year to the date it came up on my feed. And as you know, I've got fibromyalgia and I've got a fibromyalgia post um, that I write. that's very positive and very positive around sort of positive living with fibromyalgia and chronic illness. Um, And I just wrote this post called A Very Candid Post. And it said, so my whole blog is around living positively with fibromyalgia, but I have slumped and I felt it equally important to share. For the last 10 days, I've got up but not gone out. I've done some of my daily maintenance plan, but not all. Today, I went out with my relator for a stroll, the motivation to buy brandy, the worst thing for my firebray. My alcohol consumption has been going up and up and today on my walk, I asked myself why? It is because I'm dying inside. I'm once again trying to numb or maybe speed along the process. I even dreamt last night about all my physical tests being fine, apart from my liver levels. A physical answer to a physical cause. I don't think I could ever take an assertive act in my life, but I am not belittling those that do. But maybe I could take a slow way out, but I have been, have been doing that subtly for 20 years. I feel so selfish for saying this, especially when people are out there dying when they don't want to. We have a choice. They don't but aren't we all dying slowly anyway? And that, to me, um, completely changed my fears of never having a drink again because, to me, I just looked back at that shell of a woman a year previous and thought, what am I missing out on? You know, I've got a fear of drinking again. What am I missing out on? Do I really want to go back to that?
0: That's made me quite emotional, actually. Yeah, um, it does. Well, because we're feeling emotions that we haven't felt in a long time because we suppress them. Well, we numbed them. And um, alcohol suppresses emotions, suppresses things in the brain that stop us feeling. But they stop us feeling at the time, but they don't take the feelings away. The feelings are there when you sober up the next day, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And um,
1: The hangover is a bonus, yeah.
0: Yeah. Gosh, yes. <laughs> um, I, I got to the point where I was hollow, I suppose, like you, dead, dying inside. I'd go on my morning walks and I would be walking around the lake and it would be beautiful out and I'd be looking at it. And I'd be in tears thinking, is this it? Is this all my life is because there was no joy at all. No. The joyment had gone. So if you're fearing never drinking again, think of the joy that you're throwing away when you go back to drinking. Because we know in the I Am Sober app, we've posted, we've read other posts, other people say, well, how will I have fun? What will I do? Well, you'll have more fun sober. How many times have you been to a party or a wedding, a wedding, wonderful places for family fights because too much alcohol got consumed? The good time that started, the beautiful wedding, the bride and groom having a great time. And the whole thing gets spoilt by family members arguing because alcohol lowers inhibitions in a way. And people say, Well, I speak the truth when I've had a few drinks. No, you don't. You don't speak the truth. You would speak more truth sober if you were to sit with someone talking than you would ever after a few drinks. Um, My son got married. And his wedding reception, I drank sparkling water because I did not want to spoil the event. And I did the whole event sober. And I was pleased I did. And I was proud of myself for doing it because everybody around me was drinking and people would say, you're not having a drink. And I'd say, no, not tonight. Tonight, Mm. you know, this is this is an important night. I don't want to spoil it. And I didn't have a drink at all and no one pressured me. And I think some of it was the way I approached it was saying, no, I don't want to spoil tonight. This is not my yeah. night. This is their mm. night. And around the fear of never drinking is also how do you tell people? Yeah. That you're not drinking. Yeah. There's that fear in there. I mean, the two, I think the two things go hand in hand because How do you go to an event and have a good time and watch everybody having a drink? And when someone approaches you, say, no, thank you, I don't drink. um, And get looked at as someone who is a party pooper. There's a lot of it. it, it's all interlinked, I think, the whole thing, because we view good times around alcohol. Alcohol, yeah that that's where we view the good times and as you and I know in these these months that we haven't drunk we've had good times and I don't know about you but I've had better times oh definitely, definitely. better times um and one thing I did read was um own your sobriety own it be proud of it Do you know you're sober go
1: on go ahead i must admit that that is something that i have done from the the beginning and for me personally that that really really helped um well i know a lot of people don't want to do that and that's not their their kind of way but i think you're right a lot of it is connected to that issue that society has next there's an expectation from society that we drink And if we don't drink there's something wrong with us or if we don't drink it's because we've got a problem you know um well as Craig Beck would say alcohol is the problem anyone who drinks has a problem it is an addictive substance um and it's just actually that that we've woken up and that we can see it now whereas other people can't so much and for me um i i have always from day one gone in and and kept I, and i think possibly because i have said many times to my ex-husband and jack in the past many times over the years right that's it i've had enough i'm never drinking again and their eyes would go to the ceiling it's like mm-hmm. yeah all right mom. yeah all right great enough. you know in there done and might, that one
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and i might do it for a couple of days and then i'll be back on it again so i think this time um i never had any help before in those times that i did it you know um i might do it for a week and then just it straight back onto drinking again. Um, but because I found the I am sober app this time, it was just a whole game changer, it was completely, completely yeah. different. So I did own my sobriety and I was really proud. And you know, I'd meet people, and in fact, I started being sober as we come out of lockdown, so we could go out and have pub lunches and things, you know, and I'd meet yes. up with sort of girlfriends and things. And I'd go in and I'd go, I'm too big sober. And they go, wow, that's really good. And they didn't even know that I really had a problem because I only see them occasionally. And it would be a time where we all used to go out and get drunk. You know, they didn't know that I was drinking every single night for 20 odd years. Um, so, I, yeah, I've I've owned it and been quite proud about it. And there's not actually been any discussion, but I think it is about the way you say it as well it's about going in and and almost shutting that conversation down before it starts if people do want to talk then I will talk about it and I'll I'll go on and on and on about it <laughs> yes <laughs> I can
0: as you and I both know through our chitty chatting chitty chatting we can we can really we can, really... <laughs> <on>. <laughs> we can so chat on. for hours <laughs> but like you most most people didn't realize how much I drank Because a lot of it was done at home. It wasn't done in front of other people. So it was a bit of a surprise when I said to people, you know, I've got a problem with alcohol and I am giving it up. And the people that have a fear of, well, what will I do at parties, et cetera, et cetera. If you backtrack to the reason you started this journey, your why, Has Mm. that changed? No, my why has not changed. So, oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Why do you want to stop in the first place? Because you're not enjoying things.
1: Mm.
0: You're not enjoying yourself. So why would you want to go back and go through all that fear again and all that struggle of getting sober again? Because I don't know about you, but, each time I came off the alcohol and then went back to it, I consumed more. It was like when I would give up smoking like you, I gave up smoking um, just over eight years ago. And how many times I tried to give up smoking over the years, I don't know. And all right, and I'm going to smoke, but I'm only going to smoke after I've eaten a meal. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm only going to have a drink on Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. For a week. Yeah, then it's like, oh, I've had a horrible day. I'm going to have a drink, and yeah. it's hard. Breaking the cycle is not easy, but once I once you've broken the cycle and really accepted, it is acceptance, and you, when you've really accepted that, it doesn't enhance anything.
1: No, it makes things a whole lot worse. And for me, my why why I drank was um, to fit in, because I never yeah. felt like. I fit. Fit in and sort of go with the crowd. Fit in and um, also I, I learned on my sobriety journey that it was through loneliness and boredom. I didn't know that initially, but I learned that about three months in. Um, and you know, and now when I look at it, I fit in having found sort of the I am sober community and the sisters and our groups and that, and, and this Sober Town podcast. I fit in for the first time in my life. I We're, fit mis- in. We're
0: misfits that fit.
1: I do fit. And, and it's, I never, so all the time I drank, I never felt like that. You know, I was, try- I was drinking to try and fit in, but I never really felt me. And we talked about normal before or ordinary. <laughs> I never felt how I felt I should feel and what I should be. And, and now I do. And as the time thing of, of me drinking before the mm-hmm. loneliness and boredom, um, you know when, this is the other fear it's like well if I don't drink what am I going to do with that time and I love it now I've started as you know doing my sunflowers planting my watercress you know doing a little bit of gardening arts mm-hmm. knitting um, I've got so much now I'm like how did I ever find time to drink <laughs> you
0: know exactly um, because I, I am so busy now um, mm. doing things that I used to do so half-hearted before now I do them, you know, and I enjoy doing them. I'm puttering in my garden. I've done my garden before, but the last, I'd say the last three, four years, it was sort of, okay, let's make the front look tidy so the neighbours don't complain sort of thing. It was like a half-hearted effort. Now I'm out there and I'm growing my, um, I'm growing my own chamomile for my tea. Oh, lovely. Um, I've got tomatoes and strawberries and, Excuse me, for the Brits, I've got basil. For the Americans, I've got basil. And (laughs) someone said to someone was uh, talking about my language, and they said, Oh, I can hear a few American things in there, and I have to remember where I am at any given time. And um, in the UK, I eat yogurt, and in America, I eat yogurt. So (laughs) pardon me if I muddle my words, but um, hobbies, and I. I always walked before I got sober. And as I say, I was on my walks and I felt such a deep, deep sadness inside that this was what the latter part of my life was going to be like. Mm. And I thought, if this is what I've got every day, I really don't want to be here.
1: No. A bit like my writing. Yeah. I just felt like you're dying and you're just dead inside
0: them. I really didn't want to be here. No. And I'd said to uh, my husband, Dan, I'm giving up drinking. And the eyes would roll like you, everybody's eyes would roll into their back of their heads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I said to him, no, I will this time. I said, because and I call him my guru because I can talk to him about anything. I'm so lucky um, in that I've got a partner that will sit and listen to me without judging and without laughing at me, you know, and let me spout because I think sometimes having someone to talk to, you come to your own ideas and your own place of where you need to be on your own, just by having someone to talk to, uh, like a sounding board. And he said, okay. And that was in May middle of May well it was just before the anniversary of my first husband's passing and I thought now I can't keep doing this you know and I had one night of drinking on the 2nd of June and I was already in the I am sober app but I hadn't been in the community side of it and I don't know why but for some reason my mindset was totally different this time giving up and I think because I'd got to such a sad place within myself yeah you know I thought uh, and the fear of never drinking never entered my head because I think I'd done the sober stints and so I'd I'd, I'd done three years, so I'd done Christmases and birthdays and things like that sober. So, like you, mine became slowly over the months and um, my growth within the community of IAS and the IAS Zooms. Honest, mm. uh, when I started going to their Zooms, it was once a week. Well, that's exploded, like um, the groups we've got. And it just goes to show how much support means and has an impact on people. Definitely. definitely. The point now that I'm like you, my life, I go on my walks and I've got such a smile on my face. I am just thinking, crikey, I hope I've got at least another 30 years. I'll be a cranky old bugger by then. (laughs) But, you know, um, I hope I've got another 30 years because in another 30 years, I'll maybe be a great grandmother and that would be awesome. Yeah. I love being grandma and I know it's something you enjoy. Um, yeah. But like you, I am at the point now where I have a fear of ever drinking again mm-hmm. and going back to that dead inside, sad, yeah. lonely person. Yeah. We're going to take a bit of a break now because I need to refill my teacup. Yep. So, we will go up to the dining car. We'll get another cup of tea. We will, as we are ladies, we always need to spend a penny. So, and to you Brits, spend a penny, you know what is. To the Americans, spend a penny is we need to go to the bathroom. So, we'll <laughs> take a quick break. Okay, guys, we're back. We've spent a penny. We've got a mug of tea. And we're ready to get back on this fear of never drinking. I have to take a pause because I go wandering down uh, rabbit holes, as people know. So I need to be brought back on task. The fear of never drinking again. Drinking is, a, I suppose, from my lofty 10 months of sobriety, for me was a cop-out. I didn't have to face things if I was drinking. Um, I didn't have to face uh, hard decisions, heavy emotions. I suppose emotions more than anything with me. I didn't have to. And so I can't really say the fear of never drinking occurred in a social way, but the fear of never drinking to suppress what I was being asked to face. That's where my fear was yeah I don't know how you feel about that
1: yeah I think yeah it was a really big fear for me and also it's like your comfort blanket isn't it it was for me it was my comfort blanket for years and years and years and years and my comfort blanket was vegan. I was like oh my goodness what am I going to do but it was interesting actually I was listening to um Todd and Drifter's podcast earlier Mm -hmm. um which uh, I loved and it was brilliant and there was some things towards the end actually that todd touched on about not ever drinking again and he said you know how could you face you can com- have a complete stable life and that uh, he felt that was really scary so he tried moderation as we all have you know and then realized that no can't do doesn't that doesn't work <laughs> Word, yeah and and he was talking about that that one day at a time. And, and Drifter says, you know, that there was there were times where it's just one breath at a time that we have to take. And and I I think it for me was very much that my, my comforter was being taken away from me. Well, like, well yeah. it wasn't being taken away. I was giving it up. I was giving away my comfort blanket, my comfort zone. Did you? Good, anyway.
0: Did you? <laughs> here's one for you. and it just the picture pop. I'm dreadful with my visuals. When my children were small, they had a little. Um, we call them a dummy in the UK. Yeah, the, yeah. here they call it um, a pacifier. Yeah, and trying to encourage them to give up that dummy because oh God, I don't know about yours, but my kids, the dummy would be all over the place. Mm. Um, did not worry about germs back then. <laughs> <laughs> Kids used to play in the dirt and eat it and everything, um, but trying to encourage the children to give up that pacifier—that's mm. a bit like encouraging me to give up my <laughs> wine. <when> I, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's a bit like the mod- yeah moderation, isn't it? You see, I was really lucky, and, and look at that—that's just great. What it's brought to my mind because mm-hmm. actually, finding around my sobriety, I've done exactly what Jack did. Now Jack had a dummy, and she so was about six months old. And I went to his cup and I put it in his mouth. He took it out of his mouth, looked at it in disgust, threw it across the room and never went to it again. Good. <laughs> so actually, that's what I've done with alcohol, isn't it? Yeah,
0: we've we thrown away air pacifier.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've thrown it away. But that that is scary. It is scary at first. But now on reflection, it is bloody scary looking back at what I used to drink and how I used to drink and what we used to do.
0: Yeah, because you, you're you constantly, um, oh, have I got any, is there any wine in the fridge? How much have I got? Have I got enough? If I start drinking early in the day, have I got enough to last me till bedtime? Um, oh, we're going to so-and-so's. If I take a six-pack, I've got to share it. Mm. I don't know about you, but I would I would guard my alcohol with my life. um and if anybody came to visit, I would always make sure that there was extra alcohol, so that and if I went and topped their glass up, yeah, if I took their glass and went and topped it up, I would make sure I finished mine on the way, so as I came <laughs> back with a full glass, then I'd only had to top theirs halfway. So yeah, <laughs> crazy
1: now, yeah, yeah, the crazy um, things
0: we did, but it's all gone and it's it, it's wonderful, you yeah, know.
1: We, we look back and we think that we had fun then. And all right, there may have been some fun times. But, I, you know, and we think we're going to miss out on that fun um, and that we can't be that funny, sociable person that we were then and do those crazy things. But, hey, guess what? I'm the funniest and craziest I've ever been, I think, right now.
0: I have never laughed so much as I have done. Um, once I got past the first few months, and I wouldn't even say my first – I was – I suppose I'm really lucky. Um, As we know, Annie Grace goes on about spontaneous sobriety. Mm. And I think this time that's what I got because I just have no cravings for alcohol. And I can't really say in these 10 months I've really craved alcohol at all. I've dealt with emotions that have thrown me for a loop. But I haven't wanted a drink to deal with them um and it's the mindset and it's what you've got to do with the don't even think about never because that's
1: too huge it is a huge thing and and that honestly for me there have been times where I've wanted that comfort blanket and I've wanted to curl up with that (laughs) that comfort blanket also known as a bottle of wine you know yeah um but I play it forward of that comfort blanket, being covered in vomit, laying on the bathroom floor, being ill, not being able to do all the things I plan to do the next day.
0: Arguing. Uh, Arguments. Texting.
1: Oh, my gosh. The text, looking at your phone the next day thinking, what did I say? What did I text? Who did I contact?
0: Yeah, and people saying, well, when I've had a few drinks, I speak the truth. No, you don't know what you're saying. I mean, how many times have you got up the next day and thought, what (sighs) did I say? Oh, my gosh. (laughs)
1: we speak spite and aggression i think when we drink
0: because yeah. we've
1: got no we've got no filter the filter no. is completely gone um, um,
0: and also you your defenses are completely gone you you know i mean sober you're aware you've got your defenses up your um your old brain and your new mm-hmm. brain are working together yeah you're no longer in survival mode.
1: No, you're not in reaction either, are you? You're no. Sort of, you, 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 you take a minute, you take time to think things
0: through and reflect. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me this time is the, um, here we go with the mindful, mm. is taking a step back before reacting. And I did put in one of my posts that I'd become, and it's so true, I've become proactive in my sobriety. And not yeah. reactive.
1: Mm.
0: I'm in charge of my sobriety, nobody else. And if I choose to go somewhere and say, no, thank you, I don't want to drink, then don't pressure me to have a drink. I have told you, no, thank you, I don't want to drink. Yeah. If someone says to me, Are you sure? I'll say, I am perfectly sure, thank you. I don't want to drink. Yeah. Then Don't have the fear of saying to someone, I don't want to drink. You don't have to go into the wise and tell someone, you know, well, um, I hate the word alcoholic to be truthful. Mm -hmm. I, you know, that's me personally. I don't like the word alcoholic. Um, I had a dependency. Yeah. I had um, an addiction, I suppose, to alcohol because it is addictive. It's, um, it's ethanol, ethanol with sugars and stuff to make it taste nice. So, hang on, let me go down to the garage and buy a gallon of ethanol and pour it down my throat. No, yeah. no, no. Why would you fear drinking ethanol? No, you wouldn't. And
1: I've got a great example of what you just said. Um, as you know, with um, my recent hospital visit with with Andy, my partner. Um to the hospital. Um, lovely hospital, fantastic consultant. Um, you know, really good, really supportive. They're going to get him in for some treatment um, in the next couple of weeks. But um, when we saw him five weeks ago, this doctor had said to, to Andy about lifestyle, really, and about you know, he'd become, rather than being a very medical model, he'd become quite a holistic practitioner over the years since Andy was last under him, which was eight years ago. And um, we looked at sort of lifestyles, exercise, sort of eating and things like this. And when we went this this week for sort of diagnosis and treatment plans, um, the doctor said to him, Andrew, he said, you've put on a kilogram. And so Andy said, oh, yeah, well, we we were a bit naughty over the Easter weekend. We did eat sort of, you know, quite a lot of naughty things.
0: You and everybody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, so consultant said, Andrew, we spoke about this last time. He said, now, we're going to start your treatment in the next couple of weeks. They were hoping to start it next week initially, but because of COVID injection, needing a second one, it's been delayed a bit. But he said, so before we start next week, um, obviously, once you start treatment, which is going to be for uh, uh, intense for a couple of months, at least for sort of six months and possibly two years... Um, he says, so what I would do is have a drink this weekend if you want because you're not going to be able to drink alcohol once your treatment starts and Andy kind of said um oh no it's all right I'm not particularly bothered really mm-hmm. and the consultant said well that's just maybe but but if you really want to you can you can and I, I just sat there that's thinking, surprising okay so you're sort of encouraging him to drink alcohol um but um, telling him off for uh, eating a bit of chocolate ovaries you know anyway we then went to see the nurse practising nurse specialist again absolutely lovely but said exactly the same thing to him and she said well well I hardly he said I hardly drink to be fair and she went boring and I know and I looked at her and I went Actually, I said, I'm eight months sabre and I'm having the time of my life. I'm having the most fun I've ever had, the most excitement I've ever had. And I can assure you it's far from boring. And she said, oh, that turns, sounds like it was a really happy story with a happy end. And I said, yes, it is. Not saying to her my, my ending is never ending, you know, because you have to keep going on day by day. But I was just shocked by that because actually what struck me at that point was it's not just our fear of never drinking again, it is society's fear Mm -hmm. of society never drinking again because their whole opinion about it is that it's boring, Um, it's not fun. Uh, You know, how can we be sober? This was, you know, two high-up professionals in a very high-up hospital, in a very high-up department within the UK um, who were brilliant in every other way but we're encouraging him to drink alcohol and feed his already damaged cells in his body?
0: I think um, those kind of comments to me come from what I would call, here we go, normies, people mm-hmm. who maybe go to a barbecue and have a drink and then don't have a drink again for weeks and weeks or go to a wedding, it's the only time. It's what I used to do years and years and years and years ago. That's because there's a lot of years ago and it's back. This is a whole nother podcast for you and I, because that takes us into marketing. Mm. Yeah. The subliminal messages that come in the marketing and how alcohol is marketed, that if you don't drink alcohol, you're boring. Mm. If you don't drink out, you know, in order to have fun at the beach, you need these bottles of beer with these pieces of uh, lime stuck in the lime neck of in, them. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, if you sit around the bonfire you, uh, on a beach, you need this this kind of drink. If you're at a barbecue, I mean, it, it, guys are so under pressure for football. You know, it's what the guys, you know, big football match, get the beers in. Mm. Why? because the football match is not the same without beer, excuse me, it's the same match, you know, and how many of them really stop drinking at the end of the match? They all sit around having, you know, the big discussion and drinking more beer. So there's pressure on. And when we will discuss this book another time, the Annie Gray's book, which to me is, is, it's a game changer. Yeah. Annie Grace's book, The Naked Mind is a game changer. And it's so funny because Annie Grace works in marketing. So she knows how they market alcohol to the, she, she can read between the lines of how they market it to the public and what they use to market it. And we all know and she said you can look at an that advert and say you know well that's ridiculous but you've already looked at it and yeah. subconsciously it's, already it's, there. There. Yeah. it's there and yeah. now you're faced with well if you don't drink again you're never going to have fun uh, it yeah. you know everything comes back to it doesn't it this never drinking again mm. and a diabetic doesn't really have sugar he's told he can't have sugar anymore
1: yeah
0: but he accepts it you know yeah. he can't, if, if you have sugar it'll kill you mm-hmm. okay so i'm not having sugar and they totally accept it you tell them well you can go to that barbecue but you can't have a beer or you can't have a glass of wine or you can't have one of these fancy sugary shitty drinks excuse me yeah. yeah the horrible things um, but then I haven't got a sweet too. <laughs> um, and then it's uh, well, what am I going to do? How am yeah. I going to do? It? How am I going to have fun? How am I going to laugh? How can I talk to people?
1: Yeah, but but you do, and uh, once you get out of that habit of of wanting to rely on that crutch of a drink, and I think the difference is there. Is you don't have to be a diabetic like with diabetes the sugar will kill you you don't have to be have any sort of illness or underlying illness for alcohol to kill you it will kill you it's ethanol it's the killer and you know what the one of the things that the only grace book said said to me um was that it's the third biggest killer in the world cigarettes are sixth
0: Mm-hmm. cigarettes yeah. are
1: the sixth killer but over here i know it's different over in the states but over here in the uk all our cigarettes are behind closed shutters you cannot see them they're not allowed to display them they're not allowed to advertise them or anything now yet alcohol is there fully on display and it's the third biggest killer
0: in the world well up until recently um and it's still there now here's one thing pharmacies here big pharmacies and they don't just sell uh, they're not just a place to I mean if you take boots in the UK or Walgreens CVS over here it's not just for your prescriptions etc you go in and they've got all the other stuff there but there's also in the pharmacy the chemist here an aisle with wine they've took the cigarettes away yeah. But wine is still in the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a whole row. Nearly every gas station you go into here. I mean, I know there are states within the, in the US that alcohol can only be sold in a liquor store. It cannot be sold in the supermarket or anywhere else. But here, we're, and uh, certain, certain states, you cannot buy alcohol on Sundays. You can go into a bar and drink alcohol, but you can't buy in the supermarket or anything like that. And here you go in the gas station and there's a, there's a whole fridge full of beer and wine. Yeah. You know, and you go and you look and it says, well, if you want a cold bottle, go to the fridge. There's one already chilled for you. You can start drinking straight yeah. away. You know,
1: and um, well, you're in your car. Yeah, exactly the same here. You know, yeah, it's and, it's uh,
0: ridiculous. As um, you know,
1: we were. I know going a bit off track, but but yeah. as you know, but it, it's kind of it is kind of on track because it's all around us all the time, so it's feeding it. into that fear. um But we were in lockdown for three months last year, and like full lockdown, and we're just coming out of a, a three months full lockdown again. Those times, that, that meant everything shut, the pubs, the restaurants, the libraries, everything was shut down, people yeah. working from home. Um, the only shops that were allowed to stay open were essential shops, like for food, um, like food shops and, and chemists were allowed to stay open. But so what off-licenses? Now, over here, off-licenses are like your liquor stores. They sell yes. alcohol. That is the primary need. Now, they were seen as essential they were seen as essential shops and they were allowed to stay open.
0: What is that all about? It's, it's back to the marketing, but also, I mean, while the government, um, they come out with their statistics, so many drinks for ladies a week, so many drinks for men a week. Mm. And you've got all this blurb about how bad alcohol is for you. It's not good for you. But please go out and buy it because we need the taxes to help. Yeah,
1: we want your money. <laughs> we
0: want your money so that we can um, treat you when your liver fails or yeah. when you get dementia or, you know, you fall down drunk and crack your head or mm. you fall down drunk and you break your arm. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've woken up with some bruises and things in places yeah. I didn't realise.
1: Yeah, and cuts and, um, yeah. Yeah, I cut my foot once
0: and I didn't even know I'd done it.
1: No, I mean, it's so bad over here, especially sort of, um, you know, listening to sort of the the youngsters as well. And it is difficult for youngsters. I mean, drinking on a Friday, Saturday night is a huge, huge problem over here. So much so that a lot of the big towns and cities have like um, emergency health buses so mm-hmm. they've got these buses that are parked in the thing that have got doctors on board medics nurses that actually when people get drunk they can their friends can take them to the, this bus in the middle of the street they can get the medical assistance they need they can saber up and then go back to the pubs and do it all again if they want to it's
0: ridiculous i mean yeah and the people um, are
1: just down all late. I mean, you walk down prince of rails road in in norwich Last night, when we're not in lockdown, obviously, and there's just bodies all over the place, and people vomiting and throwing up, and fights, you know, (laughs) and it's just. Yeah, why would
0: you fear that? Mm. I'm. Mm. (laughs) No, thank you. Um, But it is a real fear with people. And in um, Catherine Gray's book, she talked about having a plan in place. Yes. For okay, when I'll you do yeah, a, yeah, a, your escape plan, mm. you know, think the great escape, Steve McQueen on his bike. That's how old I am. I remember that, um, <laughs> that movie, Steve McQueen riding that motorbike along that fence. Yeah. Um, yeah. You plan your great escape. If you're truly into not drinking again. And we come into that app because we obviously know we've got a problem. That's why we're there. Yeah. Yeah. And we start questioning different as we get, we get this gung ho. Um, and I did reply to someone's post today because they this was actually a subject they brought up the fear of never drinking again. Mm. How will I be happy? Or I am happy, but, but, but there's always a, but isn't there? Um, yeah. And uh, Catherine Gray talks about if you're uncomfortable, leave. Mm. You know, you've got to go. Give yourself an escape plan. Um, If you want to tell someone why, that's entirely up to you. Me, I've got no problem. But then that's me. And we've proved that we can have fun without alcohol. Yeah. Because... You are more present, and one of the things that gets talked about is in in sobriety is being present in the moment.
1: Yeah, and and staying in that that moment, and and I I, I think sort of as time's gone on, I don't. I don't feel, I actually get excited now. I got so excited about my birthday. I got excited about Mother's Day and living that that thing. But I do have that plan. And my plan, like you, is just to be honest, that Mm -hmm. I'm feeling feeling triggered here. I need to get out of here, you know um but you can you can up with all sorts of of plans you know like you could even get people just to you know like those people that go on dates you go on a blind date and like right you ring me half an hour later and if it's no good tell me will you be my
0: wing, <laughs> and
1: you're my wing woman yeah so i i you know you can have any sort of plan because i know i can sit here today hand on heart and say i never want to drink again i do not want to ever ever drink again but i don't know I don't know that I'm not going to get triggered. I cannot say never. I can say I never want to drink. I never want to drink again. I cannot there is say. A, yeah, never. that's the old
0: expression of never say never because yeah. it'll come back and it'll bite you big time so, on the butt. But um, at the, the way I feel at this very moment, you know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the day. Hopefully I'm going to have a really nice Sunday, but at this very moment in time, I never want to drink again. Mm. But. <laughs> and there's a fear of ever drinking again. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know,
0: uh, but like you say, never say never. And yeah. things we've done, um, I wouldn't say we've been bored. Um, if people, and this is probably a bit harsh. If someone says, well, I get bored. Well, what are you doing about it? Mm. You just sit in there saying, Oh, well, I'm bored. I oh, had that yeah. with my kids in the summer holidays. I'm bored. i bored. on board. We'll go yeah. find something to do. Yeah. There's nothing to that, do. There's always something.
1: Something to do. But th- that that was, but to be fair, that was the hardest thing for me. Um, not dealing with boredom because I probably could have distracted. I probably, you know, there are things to go and do and distract yeah. yourself. But it was learning to sit and just be with me mm-hmm. for the first time. I mean, in my life, just sitting and being was was difficult, but it's great now I've done it. I love it. How many times
0: do you find when you do nowadays, actually? And here's something for these people that fear never drinking again. There are days when you just sit there with whatever it is you're drinking at the time with me. It's like a shed load of tea, herbal or caffeinated, whichever Um, warmer weather coming. It'll be fancy waters. But how many times do you just sit there and watch the world go by? And the next thing you know, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I've been sat here for an hour.
1: Yeah. I sit here with my birds. You know? I've got my little bird feeders outside my window and they're lined up in my setting and, and Andy and I sat here the other day and like an hour had gone by, you know. Now, if I'd have been drinking, I probably wouldn't have ever noticed the birds out there, let alone have bird feeders mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> now I just yeah. sit there
0: and it's wonderful like I say um, it's it's a it's a genuine question is you know the fear of never drinking again it it, it's one that crumbs up a lot and I all I can say to people who you know say well how will I do it use your support groups Mm -hmm. we know um we've said we've got the girls groups we've got several girls groups if there are any ladies listening to this podcast who just need a bit of extra support Karina and I will put our email addresses on for you if you want to just reach out to us because we're finding that the support of other people is we've got some kick-ass ladies you know (laughs) getting sober um I don't know if any guys want to start forming groups of men, you know, um, because like I say, with guys, the pressure to be one of the lads is all its it all geared around alcohol. You yeah. know, all be one of the guys. When you go to barbecues, how many times do you find all the guys stood around the big bucket of beer bottles or whatever is there to drink for the guys while the women are set off elsewhere? And the guys are all stood... It's not often you see guys sitting down. And they're usually standing up, aren't they? With their beer bottles in their hand. Yeah. And it's 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 a pressure to fit in.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think I'm, I'm I'm hoping there are some men's groups already formed out there. But if not, I hope that any men listen to this. You know, it's easy to do, isn't it? To get on Telegram or greet Me or whatever, um, because it it is such a brilliant resource and I know men do generally generally find it harder to talk than mm-hmm. than women um but I think it is just having that that you know the groups are so good because they're very small we've only got sort of eight people I mean we've got some bigger mm-hmm. ones but most of them the smaller ones are eight people maximum we've got people from all over the world in each yes. group there's always somebody there to be able to yep. respond to somebody. you know and it might be people might know i might be out somewhere and be triggered and i might have to go and find a toilet somewhere and i can just whisper into my phone help me
0: yeah that's it um and i think like we said in the last part with me actually hearing another voice is just so it's there's my comfort blanket now
1: yeah yeah i think these groups
0: Yeah. yeah i suppose yeah the groups now are my comfort blanket if, mm. if anything's bothering me, I can go. And it's it's a bit like journaling because you will sit and talk into your phone or type, whichever, because you can do both. And we are finding that the ladies are helping each other so much. Yeah. It's incredible, um, really. It's, um... Yeah, it is. And um, they, I haven't heard any of them talking about, what am I going to do? I mean, we've had some ladies in situations where alcohol is around mm. and they're managing to deal with it and they're using their support networks. So, anyone who's got this fear, if you get into a support network, use it to help you in a situation where you think, well, I could be triggered when I go here. I really don't want to drink this could be a triggering situation and if you warn people I'm off to a barbecue I might need you you can guarantee there's someone going to stay around yeah.
1: someone would be on standby waiting with oh. their phone waiting yeah. for you to contact all and- t- at all
0: times and mm. like we say I'm lucky, you're lucky we don't ever have a fear of never drinking again we've got a fear of ever drinking again mm. yeah and to me that's huge um, we all we're going to do it again now we're going to take a quick break and when we come back I'd like to talk about um some of the things that we can put in place to help us um things like mindfulness hobbies yeah things like that um I read a great article and I think I posted it. Yes, I did. I posted it into the girls group that talks about um, the difference between melancholy and depression, which I yeah. think I can totally relate to that one in the early days of sobriety.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because there is, and I suppose that relates to the fear of never drinking again. There's a certain sadness there. Yeah. So we'll take a, a quick. Huge go change.
1: I'm just going to say it's a huge change, huge life. Um, shift and it takes 66 days to break a habit doesn't it and so you have to replace it with a different habit which we can come back and talk about the good positive yeah and aa
0: always say that uh, 90 meetings in 90 days just to get you started and today's discussion as you know is the fear of never drinking again which is very very apt because people are worried about with summer coming barbecues things like that the fear of never drinking again but one of the questions we, we we talked about in the first section was, why? Why are you here? Why are you listening to um, a podcast about never drinking again? What brought you here? Um, I know that with me, never drinking again is, um, I really don't want to do it. I'm sorry. I'm not going down that road again. Um, I'm happy. And I'm far happier not drinking and you're the same, aren't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I just um, I think my main trigger was my my daughter-in-law being pregnant and mm-hmm. not wanting to be a smelly, drunk maymay for my grandson. Um, I'd also got back into a relationship with with Andy and I didn't want to wreck that relationship. And I just wanted to be fully present for everything that was to come. And I was killing myself and I didn't want to be doing that anymore.
0: Yeah, slow suicide, isn't it, when you start drinking? Because for those of us that don't have the off switch, which Mm -hmm. I definitely do not have an off switch, because if you pour one glass of wine into me, you have to pour the rest. I don't stop until I see the bottom of the bottle. No. Um, And it doesn't matter how many bottles. All right, then. And there are things that you can put in place, as we've said. You can put in your escape plan. Yeah. You build your tunnel, your escape tunnel. You can have um, a wingman or a wingwoman. Encourage someone to be alongside you um, and help you. And then also there are things that um, mindfulness, and I know you practice a lot of mindfulness because of your disabilities
1: yeah so I practice that every day in everything from eating to dressing to walking um so I have to be very mindful of each action that I I do really um I'm not I'm probably I've probably mastered it a lot better for my physical (laughs) needs than my mental ones (laughs) My mind still whizzes at 100 mile an hour, which is why I have to use the mindfulness to walk and slow myself down physically. Um, but, I think, yeah, I, I, okay. I enjoy...
0: Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I enjoy mindfulness in in the way of just sitting and being and watching the birds and feeling and smelling and seeing and just absorbing in every moment
0: I think when the nature of the people that we are we go too far inside our own heads sometimes and we muddy the waters in there when everything is really very very simple we complicate it ourselves <laughs> we
1: it's do. simple
0: the simple thing is don't drink okay so I won't drink that's it full stop finish done no and <laughs> we wish it was that easy it's not there. Um, no. Um, but we've
1: got resources to help us on the way, and that's the important yeah, bit, isn't it? Yeah,
0: and those are the things that we say you've got to use when you've got this fear of, of never drinking again, because Winnie the Wine Witch, um, Billy the Boozer, whoever you want to call your, your poison, because d- basically it is bloody poison. It's ethanol. So, you know, when you want to drink your ethanol that they've sweetened and sugared to make it taste nice, um, Look for your resources. Do your deep breathing. Take your deep breaths. Take your pause. Do your halt, whatever you want to do. Um, If you're at a barbecue, grab a wingman. It could be the wife. It could be the husband. It could be your best buddy, you know, who, you know, is happy you're getting sober. Someone who you can say help or your groups if you're in a group grab your group keep them in your back pocket because most of us turn around and we say keep us in your pocket we're with you all the time so yeah put us in your pocket and you got to be positive about your sobriety you got to keep a positive head going this is good for me this is something that I might not feel it at the moment but I it will be beneficial in the long run and I suffer with COPD, which wasn't funny enough that was diagnosed just before I stopped drinking. And um, as we know, drinking cause, can cause COPD because it affects the blood vessels, etc, and carrying the blood and the lungs to, the blood uh, to the lungs and things like that. So while I smoked, I did drink heavily, and you can see a lot of people who drink heavily get out of breath very quickly. So it's not just smoking that causes that kind of thing. I mean, the effects of alcohol are huge on your body. But um, one of the things I touched, I I go down rabbit holes, as most people know, who follow me on the app. And one thing I did find, and it was funny because I was very, at times I get tearful. I go inside myself. That's how I deal with it. I go and sit quietly. I go and be with me. And that's how I deal with it a lot. And it happened to me several, several months ago. And I was talking to someone and they said, oh, that's melancholy. And it's a word I hadn't heard in a long time. And it's not depression. Depression is something totally different to melancholy. Melancholy is a sadness. And the fear of never drinking again can be sad. Yeah. It can be, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, you you know, in mental health nursing back in the eighties, we had a type of depression, which was called melaconial depression. And it was only ever diagnosed for women at the time of their change and for men at the age of retirement, because it was to do with life changes um and that was probably a bit more clinical because it was a clinical depression but it was mm-hmm. a melancholy depression because melancholia is, is to do with sadness and change and loss and movement and you know um yeah just changes in life and and loss of things that have been there previously to get you through
0: and giving up alcohol is life changing yeah hugely it you know we call them we call them blah days or days, or, you know, I've got the blues, I'm unhappy. And those feelings can last. They're short term. Mm
1: -hmm. Melancholy
0: is, it can last from what I was reading. It can last from a few days to a few weeks. It's it's, if it was to last longer than that, you would need to get it seen to. But um, when you get the blues, it's linked to a life change and giving up alcohol is a huge life change. You, you, you're giving yourself a whole new lifestyle to cope with.
1: Well, yeah, because it's it's physically, it's a physical life change. It's a behavioral life change and it's an emotional life change. You know, you, you're hitting all of those threes. If you look at the CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy model, you know, you're, you're looking at your thoughts, you're looking at your feelings, your behaviors, your actions, um, and you're changing all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is a real physical, so when we drink, the serotonin levels are dampened down in our brain, which are our, our sort of, you know, levels, our feel-good levels. There's yep. going to be a lot of chemical changes happen in the brain and the body. So it really is, you know, it, it hits all of the areas. It's not just a slight change. It is a huge change.
0: On yeah, and, I, every- and the fear of, of, of never drinking again can bring on to me my way of thinking would probably bring on a feeling of melancholy, yeah. a feeling of sadness. It will pass. That's the difference between that and depression. Depression is an ongoing thing. Depression is a continuous chem- chemical imbalance in the brain, yeah. whereas melancholy is just a deep sadness. And mm-hmm. um, you well, are yeah. able to function prop- normal. You are able to do your normal daily living when you've got melancholy, but most people with clinical depression can't. So while you feel down, you feel blue, it will get better.
1: Yeah, because it is a loss. It, is a, 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 it can be like the bereavement yeah. or like a grief you know, process because it is a loss because you're changing your whole way of life. But um, it does get a whole, whole lot better. <laughs> better.
0: Yeah, as think, we can attest.
1: Yeah.
0: Like yeah. I say, I haven't laughed so much in my life. And as I say, you and I love this book, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. And I know a lot of people like it. And I would encourage anybody to get this book because there are lots of bits and pieces in here that actually can relate to The Sober Journey. And you can turn it to any page. You don't have to read it in the sequence. And the one I read was most of the old, like I say, it's the mole. So this is what the mole said. Most of the old moles I know wish they had listened less to their fears and more to their dreams. And you've got one there that you find totally relevant.
1: Yeah, I've got a few, but I've just flipped the page from that one as well. And it says, what is over there? And he said, it's the wild, said the mole. Don't fear it. And that just relates to what we were talking, what we're about, talking about, about last yeah. time with Ben and Doyle, wasn't it? Yeah. So this, this book really, really helped me. Um, it's not a sobriety book. It's more supposed to do with life and um, anxiety, depression, connections. Um, yeah. And there's lots of ones in there. But one of my, I can't find the page now. But one of the things that I truly, that truly helped me. Um, was some quote it, it seemed like when were you at your bravest um, and the, mole repl- or the boy replied when I dared to show my weakness and and what is the bravest thing you ever sa- said help said the boy and those to me were just awesome because when I started in my sabre journey I felt like I had to be a really positive poll and put, like, really positive posts up and fun posts and powerful posts up. And I couldn't let people show my my weakness or the the the, the sadder side of me. And just listening to this book, I actually heard it first of all because I actually heard the author, Charlie McEasy, reading it on um, BBC Sounds, and it was yeah. just brilliant. And I just loved it. And it just... Um, yeah, it, it, it's just really, really helped me to, as you say, it's just one pages. You could just look at one page, and that just get a message from that one page. You know. And
0: in relation to some of the things we just discussed today, I just flipped a couple of pages, and then I've got, I've learned how to be in the present. How asked the boy? I find a quiet spot and I shut my eyes and breathe. That's good. And then, then I focus what do you focus on cake said the mole. <laughs> so you know he's got his priorities right but it yeah. it, it, it just goes to show I mean I, I I think there's a fear of being seen as less than when you when you turn around to people and say well I don't drink um no thank you and I'm at a point now where I feel empowered to say well I'm sorry no I don't drink um, well, no, I'm not going to say sorry, because why should I apologize for not drinking? No. I'm just going to say, no, so, uh, I don't want to drink. I don't um, drink, yeah. yeah, I don't drink. And I find that empowering and I don't feel vulnerable saying it. And I think I'm past. I think fear is huge in sobriety. You know, you fear how you'll be seen. You fear how you'll cope. You fear how people will view you. I mean, I'm of an age now where I am who I am. Like we said last week, I am, I'm here. I'm, this is me. And we, like I said earlier, and like we've said, we're here. We've got no fear of our sobriety. I don't fear sobriety. I fear drinking. Mm. I don't fear being sober. I fear drinking a lot more than I fear being sober. Um, we said we've got some kick-ass girls and we have got some kick-ass girls and I've asked um, if I can use a couple of their posts and it just goes to show how people do things. There's a couple of posts, actually, I'd like to share with us. Excuse me. And I must have been on the podcast and she shared her story and I remember her at Christmas worrying about how she was going to get through Christmas because she was having visitors and they like a drink. And she came through Christmas sober. And I think those kind of things motivate you each time you, you have that fear and you put yourself through what was frightening you and you come out the other side. You get that little bit stronger and you think, well, that wasn't quite so bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like when I first spoke with you about um, the guy who was uh, the high board diver and his coach said, are you ever going to do that dive? And he said that the only thing you should fear is the very first time you do something. After that, the fear is less and less and less each time you yeah. do it. It's like like we said, watching a toddler start to walk very hesitant at first and then they gather confidence because yeah this is great so the longer you're sober the better it is for you but as i say this one post that i must put and it's going back a little bit it's it's a post she put a few weeks ago and um i'll read it what uh, word for word she said good morning everyone I'm just checking in with you all. Life feels like it's returning to some semblance of normality. The kids are back at school and my soul is feeling a little more free. This could also have to do with the onset of spring. I've unfortunately had a gum infection for the last week due to a naughty wisdom tooth, but I had a very cool moment when the dentist told me he, they would give me antibiotics, but I actually could not drink any alcohol on them. I smiled and confidently replied, that's fine. I don't drink alcohol. Excellent. And then spent some time thinking about how torturous it would have been not being able to drink for five whole days around six months ago. Instead, every day, I just felt relieved to be in a little less pain and wasn't planning what my first drink would be as soon as I could raise a glass to my lips. It gave me the freedom, it gave me that freedom rush again. Yesterday, I was walking my dog and found an exhausted bee on the path in front of me. Last year, my friend gave me a key ring that contains a small vial of sugar water from a company called Beehive. And I have carried it ever since. I picked the little dude up off the floor and put him on a post in the sunshine and fed him some sugar solution, which he gratefully sucked up while I chatted away to him and encouraged him. And yes, I did receive a few odd looks from (laughs) passersby and my dog. Anyway, he was re-energized and flew off on his merry way. I can't tell you how much pleasure I took from this. It made my day. I feel a lot like my furry friend at the moment basking in the sun when I can, feeding on the nectar of life, water and tea mostly, and re-energized and ready to go, buzzing about my life. Life has so many wonders and I feel so connected to them. And she attached a picture of the little bee and said, have a fabulous day, my friends. And then if I go to today, now that was a few weeks ago, and she is is making some kick-ass, I'm using drifter's phrase now. She is making some kick-ass posts, um, motivational posts. She is so, so strong in her sobriety. It's a joy to read her posts. And then today's post, if she put... She's got a little crying emoji saying, do I really have to go back to work?
1: No. Said,
0: Hello. So tomorrow lockdown is starting to ease in a big way in the UK. This means I can go back to work as a hairdresser. I think the last time I worked was the 21st of December and I just went back and checked. And that was when I was 99 days. I am now at 210. Yes. Yay! Go, girl, go, go, 210. <laughs> You kicking ass. <laughs> I remember back in January feeling very scared of this time of lockdown with no end in sight. But what is my purpose if I can't work? What will I do? How will I cope? I guess a bit like the fear of heading towards a life with no alcohol. Who will I be? What will I do? How will I cope? We've all asked those questions of ourselves, haven't we? These, yeah,
1: yeah. Constant. It's the unknown. It's on a loop
0: in your head. (laughs) The answer both times has been, I am okay. Well, we are okay. It's not going to kill us, is it, to be sober? I settled into not working quite nicely, actually. In fact, it's my new favorite catchphrase to say, I imagine this is what retirement is like, poodling around all day, doing exactly as I like, but with no money. I will tell you, this is not retirement, darling. Retirement is constant, um, I think I worked less when I was at work. How about you, Karina? Did you work less when you were at work? I don't know how she imagines retirement, but retirement is not piddling around and uh, doing it. <laughs> I don't think I've done so much as I have when I've retired. Can I go back to work now? <laughs> <So, you> no, <know, laughs> it is good. And, she, and then she also puts... I have read lots of books. I've done lots of exercise, walked miles and miles and hundreds of thousands of steps, ditto. I've painted pictures. I've done some tiling. She did a great job on the tiling. She did. Well done. You go, girl. I've immersed myself in sober literature, podcasts, and friendships, and I'm, I'm emerging from lockdown. Four months later, a stronger, happier person. I feel like I've had a chance to cement the new me in. I have spent the last week booking over 80 customers ready for taming their Yeti looks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, she's got such a way with words. I spent quite a bit of time feeling very stressed and daunted. But how will I work? What will I talk about? How will I cope? All good questions. And I guess I know it already that I will be okay. I am expecting to feel triggered. I always am when I work hard. But I know that nothing is bad enough to make me pick up a bottle and I have put in the work to make me strong. So I won't be around much for the next few weeks. I'll be knee deep in hair and tint bowls, making people smile, but I will pop in when I can. We don't need to be locked in to be happy, do we? That post says it all. It's happy, she's positive. And I think the longer you stay sober, the greater your positivity oh gosh positivity gets yeah and it's I just think to see these people growing in their sobriety and I know I make it sound like we've been at this for years but we haven't but I feel like my my life is in a whole new place I feel like I've moved into another life
1: Completely, com- yeah, completely. It's it's a different, a whole new way of being. I just say it's, it is out with the old and in with the new, and it is the best new, ever. And we've made connections, we've made relationships. You know, they're virtual, but they're good. And I feel so pleased to so many people in the groups and on the app. And um, there, there was one of the pages just struck me actually from this book again. Was what do we do when our hearts hurt? Asked the boy. We wrap them with friendship, shared tears, and time till they wake hopeful and happy again. And that's one of the things that we really do with connections: is when we lose the hope ourselves, others hold that hope for us, and we this call it. out.
0: We call out help, and there's always someone around with a okay. with a kind word or you know a little bit of motivation for you. And the old expression: the only thing to fear is fear itself do not fear fear
1: no.
0: because you're feeling it and the one thing we say about sobriety is you get to feel the feels so feel the fear because it'll keep you on your toes
1: yeah,
0: yeah. it'll keep um, you so mindful
1: of, of what yeah of life of you and what's happening and what's around and, you
0: yeah and what can trip you up you know, it, the fear can be a good thing. It's what is it? I think Annie Grace says it's part of your defense mechanisms, isn't it? But, you know, you fight, you flight. Fear yeah. is there. And when you drink, you suppress that fear. Well, you yeah. need to have that fear because it's your guiding. It's your survival. It keeps you. It helps you survive that fear because yeah. it, it's your early warning system.
1: And and in sobriety as well, you you discover and rediscover so much about yourself and about the world in general, you know, and what's around you. And um again, just another page in this book, they just all shout at me, What's your best discovery? asked the mole, that I'm enough as I am, said the mm-hmm.
0: boy. Here we go. I am. Um I am. I am. I am. And the book I'm just reading. The unexpected joy of the ordinary. And I am ordinary. I'm nothing special. I'm ordinary. And it's joyful. And I don't fear. No. I don't fear. And we are going to find another subject to talk about next Sunday. I think mm-hmm. we're going to end up doing these little Sunday podcasts. and Lovely. Hopefully we can drag someone else on the train at some point to yeah. help us with their points of view. If anybody... Um, wants to comment uh please go to um the sober town podcast and on whatever platform you listen to it on and just leave your comments because uh, the comments help us and it gives us an idea of things people want us to do some delving into which and i said to you i am doing so much i've got so many books and so much research around me can i go back to work now (laughs) i mean i'm about to delve into holistic psychology oh gosh you really are going yeah i am going in the deep end but um i've had a good week i don't know about you it's been a beautiful week people who saw my picture know um i wear my pink cloud this week (laughs) I (laughs) (laughs) i got my pink cloud on my head um I've my little Buddha garden is growing. Um, I received a beautiful uh ball for it. I've still got my cup waiting for my tea. It's right here's my cup waiting for my tea, uh with my little spoon in it. That's gonna be that's gonna be pink colored tea. And my water feature is now in. So the sun, and it's all solar, so I am being kind to the environment. Everything I've got out there is solar. So I'm happy with that. And um, I think we're going to pull into the station any minute now. Okay, guys, we have had fun again. Um, I don't know if we answer everybody's questions. We just enjoy chatting about things. And um, our connection... I don't mean as in our friendly connection, our digital connection, our super highway <laughs> keeps breaking down today. <laughs> oh. But it's all fun. It's all good fun. And if anybody would like to come and climb on the train with us at any time, we would welcome you gladly because, you know, we're just a couple of... Uh, Little ladies having a cup of tea, (laughs) riding the train. (laughs) I nearly said old, but you're not old, I am. but I I, I
1: said old biddies.
0: Old biddies, yes. Uh, (laughs) Someone made a comment the other day about listening to our chat and I said, yes, it's like the old biddies talking over the garden fence many years ago, the picture of the two old ladies over the garden fence. Yeah. So (laughs) um, I've enjoyed it again, Karina, and I think this is going to end up guys being a regular thing and please 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 leave your comments at the bottom and the more people we can reach um, we hope we make you smile we hope we make you think we please hope we never make you drink because <laughs> that is not the whole powerful. point that would be absolutely <laughs> awful because believe it or not the sober life is a beautiful life
1: yeah
0: it it's, is it's, it,
1: and r- you know get over that fear and um just just one final commit from the boy the mole the fox and the horse that i hadn't seen before right near the back page it just says just take this step the horizon will look after itself Mm -hmm.
0: and as we say baby steps one day at a time a lot of people don't like that and i just say just for today just for today put one foot in front of the other until it's time for bed and then when you go to bed tomorrow, get up, put one foot in front of the other and just do yeah. Monday because tomorrow never comes. So anyway, I, we I are at the station. Tattooed. i yeah.
1: sorry. I, I just quickly, I actually at my, one month sobriety. I actually got that tattooed on my foot one step at a time.
0: Oh, good for you. <laughs> well done. I'm too old for tattoos. I think they get lost in the wrinkles. Um, but anyway. We will ride the train again next week, Karina and I, two for one. See, we're cheap. You get two for the price of one here, so you know we're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're a bargain. We're an absolute <laughs> bargain. You so, only guys,
1: they have to chuck us off the train, don't they? Yeah, the <laughs> because we can't stop
0: talking. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> guys, this has been gorgeous. Uh, I love this. These chats, I really, really do. Um, we will have another subject next week. We're probably going to be discussing a couple of books again that might help you. But anyone who hasn't read the Annie Grace book, This Naked Mind, I truly encourage you to go and get it. But also, please listen to our podcast because the more people we can reach, the better. So, uh, cheery bye. We are going to disembark. So, from me, Polly, have a great week. And from my lovely sober sister,
1: Carolina, goodbye. Have a great week. Love you all.
0: Love you all. Bye. <laughs>